Welcome back to another episode of the Walk On Red Shirts. We have completed week three. We are on to a loaded slate with week four. Well, we got some good games last week, but they, they always seem to surprise us. We always think that a bad slate is going to have a bad weekend of games. But overall, we had a pretty good weekend. I was about to say, you remember when the haters said this is going to be a terrible week? And um, I may have been one of those haters around Tuesday of last week, but I convinced myself very quickly how awesome the week was going to be. So I don't take credit for that take. Hey, a lot of teams struggled. We had an upset or two. I'm, I called some bold predictions and hit them right. I hit two out of my five bold predictions. You did. Uh, bold guy Jake is what they've been calling you. That's what I'm hearing on the streets. Two weeks in a row, I nailed my Texas bold prediction. The first week I said they were going to win by 10 points. This weekend, I said that they were going to be within seven of Wyoming. I don't know who Texas plays, but I feel like I just got to keep it rolling with the hook'em horns this weekend. Yeah, Longhorn Jake. That's what I. That's what I've been hearing. That's what the streets. I'm saying. so pumped for this weekend of football, though. So pumped this, for this weekend of football. This weekend is one of the best slates I've seen in a very, very long time. I and mean, we've got so many ranked matchups, and even a lot of the unranked matchups are just screaming with potential upsets and and, and great nail biters. I mean. Obviously, we're going to get into a lot of these, but this is going to be this is going to be one of the better weekends of football we're going to have all year until next week. Uh, when I was going through picking our ten games, you know, it, there were plenty of options here. We we were a no shortage of games. There were some obvious ones we had to pick in all the ranked matchups, but you know we have two games with completely unranked teams that we're going to be previewing here later, and they could be two of the best games of the whole weekend. Yeah, listen, don't get caught up in the numbers. Don't be number chasers, guys. Don't go chasing number signs. Preseason rankings are pointless. They shouldn't matter. We shouldn't even be getting rankings for another couple of weeks, but alas, here we are. So let's start talking about some of the news from over the weekend in the last week or so. We talked about Mel Tucker last week. Michigan State has determined to move on without Mel Tucker. They have given him a notice. They're going to plan to fire him for cause. That's going to open up a lot of money. Something if they're going to be able to fire him for cause, which means there's going to be some real candidates for this job. You know, I was looking, I was looking at some lists, and you know, I was coming up with who I think is going to be there. You know, you're going to have some obvious choices there. I think Jason Candle at Toledo is going to be a very interesting one because he's not very far away. Pat Narduzzi coached at Michigan State. Look out for Sean Lewis, and my dark horse for this job is Ryan Grubb. The offensive coordinator at Washington, you know, what do you think of this job, Will? I think it's a very lucrative job. I mean, Michigan State has has history. It's not like it's some chump Big Ten program. A, the Big Ten's on the rise. There's a lot more money coming. B, like it's in, it's in a hotbed of college football athletes. I mean, it's great for recruiting. Uh, you've got classic rivalries with Ohio State. You've got big-time rivalries with, with Michigan in your own house. Like, this is, this is not a scoff-at job. I mean, not – Less than 10 years ago, Michigan State was in the playoff. So, and, you know, there's not many teams that, that can say they have that have a playoff game attendance on their resume. So this is a big-time job. And But I think one of the biggest things we're going to have to look that's going to come from this, Jake, along with uh, what name takes the job, is that transfer portal is now open for anybody who wants to leave at this point. Because if a coach gets fired, the transfer portal opens indefinitely. I, I can't remember how long it is. I believe um, it's 30 days. 30 days. So – Keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it. You know, um, not like that. They're not budding with talent this year. I mean, that, that shows kind of what happened with Mel Tucker. I mean, a lot of the guys they had, like Peyton Thorne and um, Keon Coleman, left, you know, their best players. So uh, 
this this program is ripe for a rebuild. And I think a lot of these coaches who you know, coaches coaches are competitors, and a lot of these guys are like, hey, I I, I'm, I can be the guy that goes in there and fixes it. And another name that um I haven't seen thrown around in there yet, but I, I'm surprised is, is Jamie Chadwell, um who's now the coach at I believe mm. Liberty, um you know, is a big yeah. time coach at Coastal Carolina. I wouldn't be shocked if his name gets thrown in the hat. I mean, he turned Coastal around into a a, you know, a, a program we kind of look down onto a nationally relevant team. I mean, that's that's not normal with group of five teams, and it's not normal with group of five teams who haven't been around that long. So uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see his name get thrown in the head, uh, Jake. Yeah, Liberty, they're 3-0, and so he's keeping the train rolling. I know Hugh Freeze left the, the cabinet pretty stocked, so he was in a good position. But Michigan State is clearly another level of a job. You know, there, there's going to be a lot of candidates for this position, I'm interested to see who they actually target because are they going to target a guy with head coaching experience? Are they going to throw money at like a Mike Elko and see if he'll come up there? Are they going to go after the hot offensive coordinator like a Brian Hartline or Ryan Grubb or a Sean Lewis, which is why I think Sean Lewis makes incredible sense because he was at Kent state for five years was overall really good for what Kent state expectations are left on his own accord to be Dion's offensive coordinator. He's proving his success at Colorado. So you would have a guy who has real coaching experience and has also proven that he can have an explosive offense. Man, do you leave, so, that, do you leave that hype train right now, though? I mean, that's going to be a fun ride. I mean, Dion's going to leave at some point, and eventually you're going to want your own program. You're familiar with the recruiting area. To me, it makes a lot of sense, but I would understand why he would potentially want to wait for another job or a different job because the stigma around Michigan State is going to follow for a year or two. Are you willing to rebuild? Are you willing to see what the Big Ten looks like? Because now all of a sudden you are playing against USC and Oregon and Washington. Schedule gets a lot tougher. It's not the Big Ten from five years ago where, yeah, okay, you would have Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan or and Penn State. But if you beat those three or if you beat two out of the three of them, you were in the playoff is what they did. But Michigan is better than what they were when D'Antonio was there. Penn State is better than when D'Antonio was there. Ohio State is also very good. I don't know. I'm interested to see who they go after. And I'm interested to see who's interested. Jake, what's with Harlan Bennett, Barnett, excuse me, uh, the safeties coach who's taken over for the job. He was a, you know, Michigan State alum. Does he get considered? And and if so, like how many games does he have to win to really be in strong consideration for that job? Yeah, I, I think you're definitely going to have to consider him. Uh, you know, Michigan State is going to be in a tough position. I mean, they are two and one. Uh, they got waxed by Washington last weekend. The next couple of weeks are going to be very telling. You know, they they host Maryland this weekend. Maryland is not a slouch. Maryland very good last weekend. They go on the road to Iowa. They go on the road to Rutgers. And they also have Michigan and then Minnesota before they close out October. Never like to go to Piscataway in the fall. It's a tough place to play. Yeah, some of this hey, it's the toughest environment in football. <laughs> I I really think that if he can find a way to get to five and seven, he can get his name into consideration, which is four more wins. Because those four wins are going to have to be against pretty good opponents. Yeah. Unless his only four wins are like Rutgers, Nebraska, Indiana. That's still only three. That means he's got to be either Maryland, Minnesota, Iowa, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. Like, it is not an easy schedule for them. 
if he can get to five wins, I think he gets considered. I still don't think he gets the job. If he makes a bowl yeah. game, then I think you're going to have to really consider him. Yeah, I think that paired with, you know, not to not to harp on this too much, but I think if you pair that with who answers the call, I mean, if you're not getting big names, maybe you just ride with it. Mm-hmm. You know, wait a couple more years. But it's going to be it's going to be interesting. You know, the, the Michigan State has an opportunity to grow right here, um, especially with, you know, what's been going on and now the, the bad headlines looming around their program. Like they have a they have an opportunity to really make some some headlines and, you know, change the reputation of that program. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump into football action. Last weekend, I like to call it survive in advance. Florida State, Texas, Colorado, and Alabama all struggle incredibly. Florida State goes down to the wire with Boston College. Jordan Travis actually gets hurt at one point, comes back in the game. I thought, Texas, he, was, I thought he was done for, Jake. I really did. The way I thought he, he landed on his shoulder. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I, bro- I thought, he, I thought was... he broke something. Like it, it, The way he was holding his arm, he, it looked like he was holding it where he couldn't move it. His shoulder touched the back of his darn head, it seemed like. I mean, good God. The fact that he was playing it after halftime, I was shocked. I immediately looked at him, and I looked at my friend, and I said, he's done for the year. That's the first reaction I got. And somehow, when I looked up later, he's playing in the second half, and I go, how in the heck is this dude playing right now? Yeah. But they struggle. Texas is within seven to Wyoming, and they don't really pull away until the fourth quarter. Alabama is in a dogfight with USF. They're up 10 to three at one point. USF has the ball going down into Alabama territory with a chance to tie it. And Colorado went to double overtime with Colorado state. I will give a little bit of leeway to Colorado state and Colorado because that is a rivalry game. There is a little bit extra that goes into that, but still for what Colorado has done, you would assume that it was not going to need to go that far out of the four teams that struggled. Which one stood out the most to you? Uh, Alabama. And quick little fun fact for you, Jake. I guess this. So I think this is now six games in which Colorado and Colorado State has had a team ranked in that in that rivalry game. All five other times, Colorado was the only team ranked. Colorado lost when they came to that game ranked. So of course, naturally, this huh. game goes into double overtime and they almost blow it. So that that was a pretty cool stat I saw. Uh, but in terms of like the biggest disappointment, it has to be Alabama. Texas responded in the second half. Florida State is ugly, but you find a way to win. You're putting up points, and, and there was life in that team. It, they didn't see like they were quitting. And Colorado, that game was chippy. I mean, Colorado State, they got the, they gave them their best shot. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening before the game during that week. But Alabama looked awful. They looked lethargic. They were sleepwalking out there. I don't know if they were just – the guys didn't look like they, were, they wanted to play at all. And that's the sorriest I've seen Alabama look. Ever, I mean, you know, in 2016 or 2018, excuse me, when when Clemson boat raced them in the national championship, those guys were still playing their heart out in the fourth quarter when it's 44 to 16. These guys are seven up oh, seven to three on USF, and they're like, ah, eh, well, we just don't really feel like being out there. That's what it looked like from the outsider's perspective. And also to add to that, you know, egg on my face. I said, there's no way they benched Jalen Milrow. There hasn't been any controversy. Boom, they bench him 24 hours later, but now he's back, and. Uh, you know, not only they yeah. bench him, they then bench the backup for the third string and then bench right, the third the string after the game and said, nope, we're back to Milrow. Right. And, and, you know, a lot of people are like, well, the, the two the two trains of thoughts I've seen are Jalen Milrow was suspended with a silent suspension, maybe, whatever. And the other one was that Nick Saban was trying to shut up everybody. There's no chance that Nick Saban gives a flying explicitive 
what anybody thinks and says about that program outside of those walls. So that one I, I will completely just disregard. Maybe he was silent suspended, but I think he didn't play very well against Texas, and they wanted to see what they had in, in game time, you know, experience. And Tyler Buckner was the exact same person he was that he was at Notre Dame. That's that wasn't shocking. Ty Simpson, uh, he's not ready. Jalen Rivers is the guy, uh, but the, the fact that they just just had no life in them, and and an away game. Why are they playing at? Why are they playing in Tampa? I mean. Who made yeah, that I still haven't seen a good good reason for that. I'm sure there's one out there, but I still don't see a good reason for it. You know, for me, the one thing that stood out is the Alabama defensive or offensive line. Alabama's offensive line has allowed 10 sacks and 19 tackles for loss over the last two games. It'd be fine if you were playing SEC teams. Let me rephrase that. It wouldn't be fine. Be understood if you were playing, you know, LSU and then Texas A&M. Teams that have the talent. Texas, good team, has recruited well. There is no reason USF should be sacking your quarterback multiple times and stuffing you behind the line. I think USF finished with like eight tackles for loss and like four sacks. Are you kidding me? Alabama recruits with the best of them. They have five-star offensive linemen all over. What is going on with this offensive line? And if they do not get it figured out quickly, they're going to lose two more games this year. Like. I have very, I have a lot of confidence that they're going to lose two more games. If they don't get as figured out because they still have Auburn, who might not be great, but it's going to give them fits. You still have LSU, you still have Texas A&M, you still have Tennessee. Uh, you have Ole Miss this weekend. There's going to be some tough games coming up here very, very quickly. Yeah, and to give my fellow Hog Mollies a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, you've got three or two. Tyler Buckner has a lot of experience very inexperienced quarterbacks in the college realm. Maybe they're flipping the, the, the protection to the wrong side. You know, maybe they're rolling off into the, you know, into the pressure instead of rolling away from it. Maybe they're not reading their hot reads right and getting sacked in which, you know, only five, five guys can only block five guys. You can't block six. So they bring extra, the quarterbacks got to be able to understand that and, and, you know, adjust accordingly. So give them, but eight tackles for loss. Uh, that's, that's, that's on the offensive line. That's on the offensive line. That's bad. So, and that was that was their calling card. I was like, hey, we don't care who we put at, at quarterback. We got this the best offensive line in the nation. No one's going to be able to stop our running game. So it doesn't matter who we put at quarterback. Turns out, it does. I, I originally thought that this was going to be the Alabama teams with the Mark Ingrams that were you know the late two thousands, you know early twenty tens that just ran it down your throat. Yeah. Ran the ball, had Heisman Trophy winners. Didn't matter. It could be Blake Sims, it could be Jake Coker, it could be Greg McElroy. They were going to win the game. But those teams knew how to get a push at the line of scrimmage. They knew how to make holes. This offensive line just doesn't have that ability. They don't have. They also don't have a Mark Ingram on this team. Jason McClellan is fine, but he is not a Mark Ingram. They don't have a TJ Yeldon. They don't have a Derrick Henry. We talked about that last week that the offensive line isn't getting the push and they don't have the running backs with the vision back there as well. So I think it's a little bit of a combination of both, but the offensive line is still what I'm trying to lead on. Right. And yeah, gone are the days that you can stick a financial advisor back there and go win a national championship because you just dominate defensively and in the trenches. So that that was, you just call it the postal service now. (laughs) Yeah. So George is doing it. They're taking one out of the early 2000s or 2010s uh, playbook of Alabama. 
the other game I want to talk about here was Florida State, and we talked about Jordan Travis, but their defense was not phenomenal on Saturday. And I don't know if it was just the expectation that Boston College would roll over, but Boston College is not a good team. I really think Jeff Halfley gets fired before the end of the year. And if he had won this game, all of a sudden his job security increased. But they left Boston College in this game for way, way too long. Jake, what do you think uh, Florida State's total defensive rank is in the in the country out of the 130 teams that are uh, available to be ranked? I saw a stat earlier. I don't know the exact number, but I know it is over 100. So I'm going to take a guess at like 111th. 101. You're one digit off. 101. Uh. So let's 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 take a step back. Okay. Well, they played a tough schedule, right? No, they played LSU. That's a good. That's a good game. Cool. Hats off. Claps to you. Then you played Southern Miss. Then you played Boston College, who almost lost to Holy Cross. Now, go to your Google search, type in Holy Cross, and see what division they play in. Yes, they play in FCS. They are not a powerhouse team. Boston College, everyone knew they were going to struggle this year. They don't have that much talent this year. Now, let's take a step back and let's, let's focus on Florida State. They're giving up five and almost six yards per play. They're giving up almost 400 yards per game. And, you know, it's just it, – they're playing undisciplined football, Jake. They're not covering people in the back end. People are throwing the ball all over them with no repercussions. And, you know, of course, like Clemson has its flaws in, the, in this come, uh, upcoming weekend, but you can't play like you did against Boston College against a, albeit mistake-prone Clemson team. But if you're making mistakes too, something's got to give. And that's very disappointing for, for a Florida State team that has national championship, you know, hype to have the 101st ranked defense after week three. Now it is still early in the, in, in the year, but that is something definitely to be worried about. Yeah. Thomas Castellanos, their quarterback in the first game of the year against Northern Illinois went 13 of 28, 138 yards against Florida state. He was 20 of 33 for 305 yards. You shouldn't be more productive in a full game against Florida state than you should be against Northern Illinois, both of which were losses nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. So They actually lost to Northern Illinois by more points than they lost to Florida State. <laughs> I mean, Luckily, Florida State, they have to win this weekend. And if they win this weekend, the schedule is easy the rest of the way. But if they play like this against Boston College, apparently the rest of the schedule won't be easy. Correct. Correct. And and now I will say it is hard to go into Chestnut Hill and play. Boston College is a tough place to play. You got to bring your own energy. There's, you know, when Clemson goes there, there's, there's 500 Clemson fans in the stand and there's nobody else. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's quiet. It's like playing a Saturday high school game up in the Northeast. I, I you know, my wife's from Vermont and for some reason, uh, high school football teams play on Saturdays there instead of Fridays. That's very weird to me, very foreign, but I digress. Florida State, you got to get your shit together on defense if you want to if you want to play for the national championship. Let alone beat Clemson on you know this weekend. Speaking of a team that needs to get their stuff together, it might be a little too late. But Tennessee got waxed on Saturday. They struggled in every facet, and I just don't think the Tennessee is the same Tennessee that we thought they were last year. I I think people thought Joe Milton was going to be a good quarterback this year, but it's just turning out that maybe Tennessee is just okay. Jake, he sh- 
Joe Milton has struggled all year, and he's just did more of the same against Florida, against a more opportunistic Florida team. Against Virginia, I mean, yes, he completed 70% of his passes, but only for 200 yards. And then they, they go and play Austin P, and he throws, you know, he's completing 64% of his passes for only 228 yards. It's like, uh, and he played a long time in that game. And then you get to Florida, and he's completing 59% of his passes for 287 yards, it, you know. They're not taking the deep shots. They only had three. They only had three plays of twenty plus yards in that game, and that was Tennessee's calling card. Uh, and and guess what? Joe Milton's best at the deep ball. He's got that cannon arm. So he's he's ranking eighty second in the country in QBR with forty nine point five QBR. He only has seven hundred sixteen yards passing on the year. Like you know, we were thinking that Joe Milton's going to come in this year and throw for three hundred plus yards a game, and that's just not the offense we're seeing. And I, and I said last week if they can't run the ball it's not going to get done against Florida. And if the Florida ran the ball all over him, uh, uh, Trevor Etienne ran for, I think 185 yards. Is that right? 172 to be exact. 172, close. you know, so he, he had their way with, they, they dominated the trenches, you know, it, it turned into a rock fight and that's what Florida was built to do. And that's why I was most disappointed with them in week one, when they played Utah, I was like, okay, Florida's built to be physical out physical, you know, their opponent, they play Utah and they just get molly whopped in the, in the trenches. Now they turn on, they play Tennessee, and they just have their way with them. I mean, Tennessee looked lifeless in the trenches, I mean, to the point where the the most the most uh, phys- the most physical they were was after the whistle had blown, and they're you know over there squaring up, throwing hey hey's to each other at the end of the game. I mean, it's like it was bad. Yeah, yeah. This game twenty nine sixteen doesn't even actually make it show how bad the game was. Florida was up twenty six to seven at halftime. This game felt over. Tennessee scores a field goal in the third quarter before Florida responds with a, a field goal. I mean, it was a 19-point game with under nine minutes left in the game. Nobody in their right mind thought that Tennessee was going to be able to make that comeback. And sure enough, they didn't. They tried to square up after the game. <laughs> Joe Milton is not new to playing quarterback. He's in his sixth year in college football. Do you think that if they lose another game, they need to pull the plug and go with Nico and try starting a freshman. Um, you know, they play UTSA this weekend. That's not going to be an easy game, UTSA, but apparently Frank Harris might be out. You know, they get South Carolina, Texas A&M, Alabama. Like, the schedule does not get easier for them. Honestly, if Joe Milton doesn't play better, what's the point? You know, you're not playing for the national championship this year. You're not even going to play for an SEC championship at this pace. Right. Well, I mean, Georgia doesn't play anybody, so they're, you know, yeah. If you're if you're playing in the East, you have virtually no shot to get in. I, I mean, I don't see why not. I don't see why don't you don't get a new guy a chance. Let him go ahead and get his feet under him, so that way next year you come in there with a fresh slate, and he's already got a bunch of experience under him. I mean, you got if yeah, if he continues to struggle, I give him two more games. If he's if he's playing at the same pace, Nico comes in. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name. I'm not ready for that. But uh, you know. He, he's got to be on a shorter leash at this point, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So let's jump into some of the big games for this weekend. First one is the biggest game of the weekend. Ohio State travels to Notre Dame Saturday night, 730 NBC. What is the key to this game between Ohio State and Notre Dame? Quarterback play. Quarterback play, quarterback play, quarterback play. I think these teams are very, very similar. You know, in terms of total defense, Ohio State's three, Notre Dame's four. Uh, in terms of total offense, 
you know, Notre Dame's a lot higher at 16 and Ohio State's at 24. So it's not like they're that far, you know, there's not a drastic jump. They're not at 101. Uh, you know, try, sorry for the stray bullet, Florida State. But, um, but the biggest difference between the two teams, in my opinion, are the wide receiver and core and experience at quarterback. And it's crazy, but the, the team with the inexperienced quarterback has the best wide receiver and core probably in the nation. Maybe, maybe Washington's in that conversation. But, uh, the other side of the coin, you've got a very established quarterback who's very talented, very experienced with a unproven wide receiver core is what I want to call him at this point. Like, what have they done? And um, it's, it's going to be interesting. And if Sam, Sam Hartman goes out there and plays like he's been playing all year, I think this could be – I think Ohio State could lose by double digits. You know, based off of what I've seen out of Kyle McCord, like, I, I haven't been overly impressed with him. Now – Everywhere else on Ohio State's team, they're dominant. So if Kyle McCord comes out there and, and you know he gets that offense gelling and Marvin Harrison starts getting that ball fed to him and Trevion Henderson starts running the ball, if they get that run, running game established, I think he, it could easily flip the other way. I, you know, this game is either going to be a nail biter or a double digit loss. I don't, you know, for either team, you know, they're, they're very similar in that way, Jake. Yeah, to me, the key here is Ohio State's secondary because I agree with you on Sam Hartman. And I think Ohio State's best course of action here is to limit the passing attack. Austin or Audric Estime is a great running back, and they're gonna they're gonna struggle to shut him down. It's gonna be the defensive tackles that are gonna need to play assignment football. They're gonna have to try to stuff them, put him in second, third, and long. That's where the secondary is gonna come into be a major factor. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you cannot let Hartman like convert on third and seven, third and eight, third and nine. Like you can no. get him into long positions. You've got to get the ball back. Now I was more impressed with McCord this past weekend. I, maybe it was a little bit of the monkey off his back where now he's named the starting quarterback. Maybe it's just that third game where he's now comfortable starting, you know, Ohio state, they got up to a little slow start in the first quarter and then they exploded in the second quarter for 35 points. So they scored 35 points in a matter of 10 minutes. So maybe he got the monkey off his back, but Western Kentucky obviously is not the same defense as what Notre Dame's going to be. Right, for sure. And, and like honestly, what I expect Ohio State to come out there to do, I, I expect Ohio State to come out there, load the box, and play man-to-man defense in that secondary and say, all right, let's see what your receivers are made of. We think our guys are better than your guys. Sammy Boy, let's, Mr. McRib, let's see if you can't throw some touchdowns on you know, in man-to-man defense, and we're just going to not let Estime do anything. And if you if you get them into third and long, now you can switch it up. Now you got some blitz packages coming out. But I, yeah, I, I would expect to see Ohio State come out early and man to man and load that box. The weird thing about Ryan Day is when he gets into these big games, he just turns on another switch and knows how to call the game. Because if you watch him, you know, for instance, last weekend, there's some conservative play calling, and then you watch him against you know Georgia, and it's like the most creative play calling you've ever seen in your life. You know, guys are going on routes that you didn't know existed, motions, different formations. And there's going to be some of that this weekend because there's questions and they're hearing the questions. So he figures out ways to coach his ass off. Michigan, two years ago, he really didn't. Last year, he actually got off to a pretty good start with coaching. They just really didn't execute on some of the things. They had themselves in positions and the defense just kind of screwed them over. Uh, So... I think Ryan Day is going to come out with a good game plan. The question is, can they execute? And can they slow down Sam Hartman, who is arguably going to be the best quarterback they face this year? 
can I slow back, slow down to estimate? That's true. If, if you just let estimate go off, then they don't even need to use Hartman. Yeah. So it's going to be a great game. I'm very, very excited for that game. Another game that's happening at the same exact time is the annual whiteout with Iowa traveling to Penn State, 7.30 on, I believe it's on CBS on Saturday night. This game, are they? is there going to be 40 total points scored? I don't know with the weather. I mean, it's supposed to be monsoon-esque, wet, you know, uh, uh, great rain coming through. And honestly, Jake, like to, to kind of switch the subject just a little bit, I was so, so hoping that those comments by Brian Ferentz were, were real. When I found out that that was AI and that, or deep fake or whatever that is of him saying whatever he said about getting the ladder and climbing out of his butt, uh, I was so disappointed. I found out that was fake. They definitely got me. I'm, I guess I'm old now. You know, the, the new, the new, these new whippersnappers or technology is getting to me, but I don't think there is 40 points score in this game, especially with the weather. Not that they're not capable. I think the weather is going to play a huge role. Um, but, but to, to, you know, that normally would favor Iowa. They got the, the big cornbread hog mollies up there in the, in the trenches that usually dominate people. But Penn State's built to run. I mean, you know, and, and, and Singleton and Allen, they, they run the ball very, very well. And Drew Lardis has to do enough. And with that style of play, if they're able to, if they're able to run the ball against Iowa, I think they, they definitely will beat them at Iowa's own game. And, and we'll see. It's gonna, that, that one's going to be interesting to see if the weather holds off. Yeah, and one thing for Iowa is they're going to be rooting for the rain because they're missing three key offensive players. They're missing their first two running backs and their star tight end. And Now, granted, Iowa has more tight ends. Eric All, who transferred from Michigan, will step up. He was the number two tight end and number two receiver on the team. But losing your top two running backs, going into an environment like this, never a situation you want to be in, especially if you're going to need to be running the ball. I believe the New one is a freshman. I don't. I don't know if he's a true freshman or a redshirt freshman, uh, but his name is Sean Williams, who played pretty well. Maybe it's not with Sean Williams. I forget. Uh, they're down to their third guy. I know that. And going into your third running back in the whiteout, we've all seen the video where Penn, or Michigan walks out for their first snap. They had to call timeout because they can't even communicate. It's going to be loud. It's going to be rambunctious. The weather is not going to impact those fans. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. They're going to be loud. And Penn State and Iowa have a little bit of beef because last time that they played in Iowa, there was some booing for some players who were injured, and Iowa fans thought they were faking it, and uh, Penn State fans didn't take too kindly for that. So I believe that there's going to be an even more hostile environment on Saturday night. A little bit of chirping. You are right, by the way. It is LaShawn Williams. Third game we have here is Ole Miss traveling to Alabama. Ole Miss is 3-0. Alabama is 2-1. If Alabama loses this game, what does that mean for the Crimson Tide? Uh, I think it means – I think if they lose this game, it's going to be more for Ole Miss than it does for the Crimson Tide. People are going to turn it into the, the Tide – the dynasty's over. I, I'm not buying that. You know, Nick Saban is still Nick Saban. He's still the greatest coach to ever coach in college football. You know, honestly, Jake, I, I don't think there's a – I think there's a very slight chance they lose this weekend. I think they're going to come out. They're pissed off. You know, the national – there's going to be so much bulletin board material given to them this week. It's not going to be funny. Uh, and that offensive line, they've got pride. 
those those guys get paid to play too. Jalen Monroe is going to come out. You know, he's going to be able to run the football. And Ole Miss's defense is not quite as good as Texas's. So uh, I think I think this is this game bodes well for 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 Alabama. And I'm pretty sure it's in Tuscaloosa. So I think that's going to play a huge role. Um, yeah, the I'm not going to throw the panic button up yet, but I think you might be lifting the switch to where the panic button is held if you lose this game. Yeah, you're playing because with a bit. Nick Saban has never been 500 at any point in his Alabama career. Even back to the first season where he just barely went over 500, he never was actually at 500. If he is two and two, I think there is some reason for concern because the landscape of college football has changed. Recruiting has changed. NIL has changed the game that the talent isn't always just going to automatically come to Alabama because they're Alabama. Now you're seeing that happen with the classes around the country. So not that the legacy isn't going to change that the Alabama dynasty isn't over, but I think you might have some panic for this upcoming season. And I think as Nick Saban does, he always finds ways around the rules. He always finds new loopholes, the things to do. Does he might just blow it up in the off season and just start tampering and telling guys to come play for Alabama because he's Nick Saban. And <laughs> it wouldn't shock me in the least if all of a sudden you see all these superstars just going to play for Nick Saban because it's Alabama and you know, they'll figure out ways to get the money. I know oh, Lane yeah. Kiffin's going to want this game because Lane Kiffin obviously used to be on Alabama staff. He's going to want this game. And if Ole Miss wins this game, they might be the front runner in the SEC West. I think they, I think they would be the front runner in the SEC West, but they've got to play better run defense. Uh, you know, currently they're ranked 65th in the nation in run defense. You know, it, ah, they, they, they better, they better show up against Alabama. That, those big boys, there's going to be a lot of challenges coming on this week during practice. They're going to be hearing it from their coaches. You know, we're going bad to see run it. defense versus bad run offense. Who's going to win? Nobody. Yeah, <laughs> nobody wins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the last game I wanted to pull up in here was Colorado traveling to Oregon. Coach Prime has a legitimate test where he is a massive underdog. Now, TCU was a big test, but we all knew going into the season that TCU was not the same TCU last year. Nebraska, we knew Nebraska was not a good team. They lost to Minnesota in the first week. Oregon has some dudes on that team. Oregon has Bo Nix. To me, the biggest thing here is, once again, the trenches. Colorado is getting manhandled by opposing teams. Colorado State is sacking them numerous times. Oregon has big-bodied guys on that defensive line. They have guys that are going to hit you in the mouth. They're not going to be afraid for contact. And Colorado does not have Travis Hunter this weekend. That and that's that's going to be a big loss. But but Jake, I really don't think that's going to play as big of a role as as you know we think it might because of what Oregon's going to do to them anyway. I, I think Oregon's too deep. And again, I I've been Rocky Mountain High all year. I love me Scobuffs, you know, all about it. Love, love my prime boys. Um, but I just think, I think Oregon's too deep. And I think Oregon's the first real matchup they're facing. And Bo Nix is the best quarterback they're going to play, well, until next weekend. And 
Uh, hopefully he runs for at least 29 yards, no spoilers, but you'll, you'll find out why I think that later. And, uh, you know, they're going to have a, a deep secondary. And, you know, yes, Colorado's going to be hurting from not having Travis Hunter as that deep threat uh, at receiver, but they're really going to be hurting because they don't have their guy that can shut down somebody at cornerback. And they definitely need that uh, against a, a very, very, very good receiving core at Oregon. Um, I think McLean is it, is that his name that the um, freshman corner cornerback that's there? He's that, yeah, really hasn't played at all yet, but he, they might need him to step up this weekend. He, he's going to get thrust onto a big stage, and, and I think Colorado, you know, their offense can can move the ball, and I think they're they're gonna they're gonna keep them around in the game. But I think Oregon ends up running away with it pretty pretty well. Yeah, we'll get into the spread here, but it, it's pretty big. There's some people calling saying that Colorado's going to win. But to me, the rebuild, they can get the skill players. But the offensive line is so hard to rebuild in the transfer portal. There's continuity that goes into it. Starting left tackles just aren't leaving Power 5 programs. Starting right tackles just aren't leaving Power 5 programs to go play for Coach Prime. And to me, that's going to be the biggest issue is when Oregon is able to play good defense and contain Sanders, how is he going to respond? Right. And that's going to that's going to be huge. Oregon quietly also has one of the better offensive lines in the nation. And I think what Oregon's going to do and a lot of people aren't going to expect is run the ball very well against this team. So uh I I look again Love my boys out in Colorado. This I think this game's going to get pretty ugly, and I think a lot of people are going to be, you know, all these people that are cheering on Dion right now. I think there's going to be a lot of people throwing rocks and talking about how, oh, we knew this was going to happen. We knew this was going to happen. You're going to find out who the who the real Buffalo fans are after this week, and um, I think it's going to get pretty ugly, Jake. I'm I'm pretty scared for my boys. Shador Sanders, we're going to find out what he's made of this week. I'll tell you that much. We absolutely will. If he if he comes out victorious, put him in the Heisman race by all yeah. means. I mean, he's getting NFL draft buzz. I'm like, okay, yes, he's playing excellently. And, and a lot of his passes look beautiful. I mean, he's – I want to, you know, talk about the defenses you've played. This is going to be the best one he's played all year. So let's see. Let's see. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest-growing fantasy app in the industry. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in the weekend's game with a chance to win big. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog is the easiest fantasy app where you can make all of your picks for college football games. No matter the game, it's our home for college fantasy football. Sign up today with promo code WALKON and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Remember, that's promo code WALKON, one word. Must be 18 or older and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms and conditions apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. All right, we're going to move into a new segment here. We have recently partnered with Underdog, so we're going to make sure that we give you a couple of our picks every single week. So, Moose, why don't you go ahead and tell the people what picks they should be looking at for this weekend? Listen, Aldrich Estime has scored five touchdowns on the year. He's only played three games. I'm not a math guy, but that's more than one touchdown a game, right, Jake? Is my mouth is my math adding up? That that would be correct. Yeah, I carried the three. So uh I'm thinking that 
Aldrich Estime has more than 0.5 touchdowns in this game on the ground. So uh, I'm going to throw that. I'm going to sprinkle a little bit of money on that one maybe. And then uh, Bo Nix to run for more than 28 and a half yards. I think that's very likely. Uh, there's been, there was one game where he had no rushing yards, but that was against Portland State in which they won 81-7. to um, Last time I checked, you don't want your Heisman candidate running back running the ball, our quarterback running the ball against uh, Portland State when you're up 81 to seven. So I'm not worried about him. I'm very high on those two picks. Can't wait to see what happens this weekend. I'm going to be turned in. I'm going to be tuned into these games anyway. So now I'm just going to be a little bit more excited to be pulling for these guys. Big Bo Nix fan. Always have been shout out Tyler Urbanski uh, and, and love my boy, Audric Estime, you know, great running back. Always loved him. Always have been, have his Jersey in my room or something. I'm going to go two Big Ten players with mine. So first one is I have Roman Wilson over 0.5 touchdowns. He's got six receiving touchdowns on the year. Jim Harbaugh is back. He's going to look to get his guys some scores. Fun fact, I actually was looking. I was looking at Donovan Edwards over a half a touchdown. He's got zero on the year. Oh, he's yeah, overdue. Shocking. He's, he's due. Overdue. So he's overdue. If, if you want a sleeper for that one, I, I think that that one is a good pick. But I'm going to go with Roman Wilson, who's got six receiving touchdowns. He's clearly the favorite guy for JJ. So JJ is going to pass for a couple touchdowns against Rutgers on Saturday, and one of them is definitely going to go to Roman Wilson. The other one I have is Marvin Harrison Jr. over half a touchdown. I don't think there's a way that he does not score on Saturday night. I don't know how, but he is definitely going to score. He scored in the last two games. He had two touchdowns against Youngstown State. He scored another one against Western Kentucky. He's going to keep it rolling. He's clearly the best receiver in the country. There's no way that they don't find a way for him to score. Jake, you break in one of the biggest rules in sports. Money and your favorite team, you know, they don't mix. Them with your rival. Them, so, you know, I'm, I'm worried for you, Jake. I'm this worried is an easy you, pick, though. This is such an easy pick. I'm worried such for an you, easy Jake. pick. <laughs> such an easy pick. Marvin Harrison Jr. over point or higher than point five receiving touchdowns. Oh, man, that's going to be great. I'm excited. You know, I'll be pulling for you, Jake. I'll be pulling for you. So, uh, anyways, let's jump into our picks and segments for this weekend. Got 10 games selected for this weekend. Loaded slate. Absolutely loaded slate for this weekend. First, we got Arkansas traveling to LSU. Number 12 LSU is a 17 and a half point favorite this weekend. Who are you taking and why? Number one, Jake, I think we need to have I need to, I think we need to increase our stakes on this year with our picks. So, listeners, if y'all have any suggestions, throw something in on Twitter, throw something in on Instagram, shoot us a text, whatever you got to do. I think I think Jake and I need to put a little wager on uh, what's going on between us and these in these picks. I think it's a pretty tight race, is it not right now? Uh, uh, it's definitely getting pretty close. Yeah, so I, I, I'm pretty excited for to, to do this, and uh, you know maybe I'm getting a little too competitive and a little ahead of myself. But to come back to the game, LSU 17 and a half points. I don't know who I, I was hacked last week when I picked against them uh, when I went Mississippi State plus nine and a half. I don't know what happened. Um, I think I may, may, maybe I was possessed, uh, but I'm back and I'm back on my minus ways. So uh, let me go LSU minus 17 and a half. I'm not very happy about this pick. I don't want to do it. I really want to add that extra dash and make it plus 17 and a half for Arkansas. But 
substance just tell me don't go don't go away from the bio being bayou bingles let's go minus 17 and a half yeah you did not have a good week last week you went four and six uh, i was hacked though i was hacked we just covered that so yeah you went four and six i went six and four hacked sure sure if that's what you want to call it <laughs> if that's what you want to call it you're, you're going down you were four and six last week you you know you're you're still ahead you're still ahead right now because you won the first two weeks but you are only ahead by, by by three it's a long season so i don't know who's taking this game this game confuses me I think I'm just going to take LSU because that's what my gut says. Always trust your gut. Always trust. Your I really gut. don't have a good reason. LSU has looked good, I guess, at times. I don't know. I could see Arkansas keeping this game really close, but I could also see LSU coming out and winning this game by 28 points. Depends on which LSU shows up. Is it is it first half Florida State or is it second half Florida State? Second game here is your favorite game of the weekend. We've got Florida State traveling to Clemson on Saturday. Noon game. Not big noon kickoff. Florida State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite on Saturday. If people read your picks, they probably know where you're going with this unless you want to pull a last-minute switch. No, no whoops for me. No Chris Berman styles. Uh, I think Clemson wins this game. I think these guys are tired of hearing what, what people have had to say about them, especially from week one, one, one and two. Um, this Clemson team is loaded with talent. I mean, they've got 50-some-odd blue-chip players on their on their team. They've got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of history. Dabo is a great coach, and that culture does great things for them. This is the game they get up for. It's coming to Death Valley. And maybe it's a little ominous, Jake, to put uh, to put Florida State and Clemson at big noon kickoff, you know, at 12 o'clock. Maybe this is a sign. This is a sign. What, what conference does big noon kickoff? Uh, it's whoever plays on Fox, which is usually Big 12, Big 10, or Pac-12. Well, I think this might be a little Big Ten sign, but either way, let's come back to it. As we mentioned earlier, Florida State has the 101st-ranked defense. Clemson probably would have the best offense in the world if they don't turn the ball over 94 times in the first two games. Um, I think they've, they've gotten that stuff squared away. Will Shipley's going to be pissed off, uh, you know, because he lost some opportunities at the end of the four, or the beginning of the Florida Atlantic game. I think Clemson wins this game, and I think they win it by 10. So I'm going Clemson plus 10 and a half, two and a, two and a half, not 10 and a half, two and a half. Florida State has forced four turnovers on the season, just over one per game. Clemson seemingly has turned the ball over about 70,000 times. We've got them out the way, though. We got them out the way early, so we've got no more for the rest of the year. We're not, we're good. The key to me here is honestly turnovers. It's, can Cade Klubnik take care of the ball? Because they can move the ball when they have it. If they can take care of the ball, they're going to win this game. I just don't right now have confidence in him. But I'm also not very confident that Jordan Travis is going to be 100% healthy. We saw him leave, and I'm not super confident that he's going to be 100% on Saturday. I don't care what any of them say. We all saw him leave the game. You don't leave the game if you're healthy. So I think there's going to be a little bit. I think this game's going to be really close. I think it's going to come down to a last-second field goal. I would love this spread more if Clemson was three-and-a-half-point dogs instead of two-and-a-half. But I think I'm going to go against you, and I'm going to take Florida State Jake, we got a kicker coming from Master School down in Chucktown, Charleston, South Carolina, to, to come take the kicking job this week. Please don't let it come down to the kicking game. I'm not ready for it. Uh, Vice, Vice, I think his name is, uh, W-E-I-T-Z. Shout out my German boys. Um, and, and another thing, like, you know, if Clemson thinks they're going to win this game, 
they've got a they've got a win in the trenches. You know, against Duke, they struggled immensely on the goal line. They could not get push in short yardage situations. Against Florida Atlantic, they struggled on the goal line and could not get push on short yardage situations. You cannot do that against a Florida State team, which I don't know if you go back into the past and watch what LSU did on the first two drives where they got stunned on the two-yard line six six plays in a row and ended up having to kick a – no, excuse me, turning over the ball on downs, getting back down there again, and then and then kicking a field goal. So that's nine plays and no touchdown inside the five-yard line. Clemson, you can't be doing that crap if you think you're going to beat Florida State. And the receivers have to step up. K. Clubnick has to step up, like you said. they got to get that mesh point down pat. And the defense just has to come there and kick, take care of business, put some pressure on Jordan Travis, make him feel that shoulder injury a little bit. So this is going to be a fun game. Now on to the third game for this weekend. We have BYU traveling to Kansas this weekend in a new Big 12 matchup, actually. Oh, BYU, I, new member of the Big 12. This I, is a conference game. BYU is an eight-and-a-half-point underdog to Kansas. Do you like the Cougars or do you like the Jayhawks? I'm going Jayhawks. I love my boy Jalen Daniels. We were just, you know, we just talked about Jaden Daniels a couple games ago. Now we're with Jalen Daniels, not to be confused. Uh, Kansas has something building. Uh, uh, Lance Leopold has gotten them moving in the right direction. And I, BYU just beat Arkansas. Is that not the team they beat last week? They did just beat Arkansas. And that's not that's a decent, that's a a little bit above average SEC team. KJ Jefferson and, and that big big time running back. I mean, that's no slouch. And they put up 35 points on them. I think this game – I think BYU stays in this game. I'm going BYU plus eight and a half. I'm, I'm switching it up right here on the show. Y'all just heard it here first, folks. BYU plus and a half. I'm going away from a minus ways. Let's go, Cougars. Yeah, I, I talked myself into BYU for this as well because – BYU is 3-0. and Keaton Slavis is the quarterback, so they have an experienced guy back there. <laughs> and, you know, also a guy who is on about his ninth school and playing about his 12th season. This game, if BYU wins, they're going to be ranked. I mean, a 4-0 BYU team, then BYU could make some noise in the Big 12 this year because then they play Kansas, TCU, and Texas Tech. Not saying they're going to be undefeated when they play Texas in the end of October, but they could be a one loss team. Like they, they could be making some noise here in the big 12 in their first season. Yeah. And I did not picture that out of BYU this year. I think BYU is better than we all expected. I did not give them a chance to beat Arkansas. And then they did. And they put up a lot of points. So the defense has overall been good enough. And I think that they're going to do enough to stay in this game, but I think Kansas wins it. I'd like them by, I like Kansas by a touchdown, so BYU covers. Nice. Uh, now, quick question, and this is a pretty serious question. Have we ever seen JT Daniels and Keon Slovis in the same room together? I'm no. starting to think they're the same person. No, they are the same person. Okay. I, I, so, I, so, not just me. I'm not crazy. No, they're, they're, to me, they're the same person. They're the same quarterback. Like, they were there. It's, like, they probably, nobody got injured. One just went in, cut his hair, and then went back out. What color is Rice's, uh, yeah color scheme blue and i think they're blue and white what color is byu's uh, color scheme pretty sure they're blue and white too I, i'm just saying it i'm just saying that folks i'm just saying that they might be the same we're not coming to any conclusions but we're just making observations we're just get yep exactly exactly another big 12 matchup this weekend is ucf traveling to kansas state sounded weird saying that but ucf is a big 12 team and they are traveling to kansas state 
Kansas State is a five and a half point favorite. Who do you like in this game? Listen, I know UCF claims that they're former national champions. Um, you know, every team in America is a former national championship based off of their logic. Uh, I, I'm not sure UCF is quite, quite there. Excuse me, UCF. Um, they really shouldn't have schools that close to each other with that similar names, by the way. That's, that's a, you know what? Just because of that, I'm going Kansas State minus five and a half. I think that's pretty rude to people with uh, limited uh, brain capacity like myself. UCF, USF, I get them confused all the time. I'm, I'm talking about UCF, I'm, and I'm, I mean USF, and vice versa. Let's go Wildcats. Love Manhattan, the Big Apple in Kansas. Kansas State minus five and a half. UCF is missing John Reef Plumley. He missed last weekend, and he's expected to be out for a couple weeks, so he won't be playing this weekend. That is the main reason I'm picking Kansas State. Also, Kansas State lost in a heartbreaker, a 61-yard field goal to Mizzou on the road they're going to be wanting to bounce back from that and a game against UCF they're going to want to try to prove something I think they come out here and they win by 10 to 14 points yeah John Reese probably not playing is my real reason for picking them not not my anger towards the the consonant that goes in the middle of the abbreviation at least I mean there's FIU and FAU same thing Florida team is just like, oh, let's just throw some letters together and we'll figure out a school. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this one earlier. Colorado travels to Oregon. Oregon is a 21-point favorite on Saturday. You like the Buffs or you like the Ducks? That's a lot of points, Jake. That's a lot of points. <clears throat> you know, looking back on my childhood with mathematics, arithmetic. I, I really did like to do subtraction a lot more than I like to do addition. And and this week, Oregon's just too deep, Jake. They're just too deep. Travis Hunter's out. Colorado's been giving up so many points to everybody they play against. I think Oregon puts it on them and puts it on big. I think I think Oregon covers. That's not what I said in my in my prediction segment, but I'm flipping it right here. Oregon's Oregon's going to cover. I'm going to Oregon minus 20, 21. I've been a Coach Prime hater this whole season. I think I'm going to end that today. 21 points is just too many. Colorado has enough playmakers to score points. I don't really think they're going to be able to stop Oregon too much. I think they're going to get a couple of stops, but not enough to give themselves a chance to win the game. But I think they'll give them enough stops to keep them in it long enough to cover the spread. I think Oregon wins this by 17 to 20 points, just enough to cover. Just enough for Oregon or Colorado to cover, but not enough for Oregon to blow it out of the water. Three scores, but not covering the spread. You going with my Colorado cover corners? Absolutely. Hey, just not making the dad joke like you are. There's another omen in there. Hey, Jake, what number was Deion Sanders famous for wearing in his NFL career? I'm going to purposely answer this wrong. 12. The answer is, the answer is 21. And I knew that answer. To be but... 20. I might want to flip this, but I'm not going to because then I'll be mad at myself. Jake, I'm going plus 21 with you. Can you go ahead and switch me up a little bit? Add that line. I can't go against my buffs. I can't believe y'all thought I was going to prime. You know, I love you, man. You know, I know you're a big time listener, big time five-star listener for us at the, at the walk on red shirt. So I know I you're listening to be able to pick one up there on you. Just, just, just messing with you. Let's go plus 21. I'm, I'm, I'm with it. 
another Pac-12 matchup. UCLA travels to Utah. Number 22, UCLA versus number 11, Utah. Utah is a four and a half point favorite on Saturday. Utes or Bruins? You want to bet lead off on this one or you want me to take this? I'll go first. I'm going to take Utah for the main reason that Dante Moore is starting now. And I'm not a fan of a true freshman going on the road to Utah. Cyclic and season. I think this is going to be close. I just do not think Dante Moore is going to be able to do enough. Uh, I do like what UCLA has. Um, their rushing attack is very good. Carson Steele is a good running back. But Utah is still without Cam Rising, but they've figured out a way to win games. They're going to figure out a way to win this other game. They're going by probably 10 points. I don't, I wouldn't put it past Chip Kelly to have something up his sleeves, though, knowing that he's got a true freshman quarterback going on the road to a hostile environment. But Utah, that, that, that place is tough to win. Well, and Jake, don't count Cam Rising out yet. They're going to, they're making that, that, that decision tomorrow. Um, I think maybe he plays. Uh, but I'm going Utah as well. Um, I, I love my Utes. Big Ute guy. Always have been. I, I, I'm not completely sold on, on Chip Kelly and UCLA's team this year. Um, and, and the, both these teams are built very differently. Differently, You know, with the addition of Carson Steele, you add a little bit of, uh, uh, of strength and brute force to your running game. But that's not what that's not what UCLA's calling card is. It, it's passing the ball. And I think they're, they're, they're making a statement by putting out Dante Moore, a guy who's Supposed to be a highly touted high, high school recruit, you know he's he's known for slinging the ball. They're going to go out there and try to throw early, but the game's in Utah. Is it is it a night game? I think that plays a huge role. Is it a night game? I don't believe it's a night game in Utah. I believe it's an afternoon game. Mm, nights in Utah are tough, but I, I am going to go with Utah minus four and a half. I think they're going to beat them by by double digits. We talked about this one already. Number 15, Ole Miss travels to number 13, Alabama. That says that feels really weird to say, but Alabama is number 13. <laughs> Crimson Tide are a seven-point favorite. Saturday afternoon on CBS. Who are you taking? Da, 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 da. Is this the 3.30 game? I'm ready for this. Yep, the CBS can't game. To, can't wait to hear that music. I'm going to be dancing on my bar like Shaq in that, uh, in that famous meme. Uh, I'm going to Alabama minus seven. I think Alabama is going to boat race Ole Miss, to be honest with you. I think Alabama is pissed off from last week, and kind of I kind of alluded to that earlier. I think Nick Saban is going to have a, a great game plan, him and that coaching staff. I think Jalen Milrow is going to come in with a chip on his shoulder, wanting to prove a point. You know, he I think he's he's not going to be a person who responds by by slouching because he got benched. He's going to come out there and say, "All right, y'all benched me. This is I'm going to show y'all why y'all screwed up." And I think Ole Miss is going to get the the brunt of it. Um, Ole Miss sticks around the first quarter, maybe maybe halfway through the second quarter, and I think Alabama really starts to pull away. Um, if if the Alabama team from last week does not show up, I think they have got way too much pride and talent to to do that two weeks in a row. I'm going to Alabama minus seven. I alluded to this on Twitter, but I am going to take Ole Miss. I'm going to take them straight to win this game. I love it. I, I like them plus seven, but I honestly think they're going to win this game. I think that Quinshawn Judkins is going to be an absolute beast. He's going to be very, very important for Ole Miss this weekend. I think Ole Miss is going to do enough on defense to slow him down. I would not be shocked if this gets into a shootout. Like, do not be surprised if this game goes over like 65 points on Saturday. 
So I'm going to take Ole Miss. I'm going to take the lane train. I'm going to take Joey Freshwater. Give me Ole Miss in this one. <laughs> Joey Freshwater, I love that. Hey, got to go with all of the nicknames for yeah, I love it. I Lane love it. Kiffin. Saturday, we have another really great Pac-12 matchup. Number 14, Oregon State and DJ Uyunglele are two-and-a-half-point favorites over Wazoo playing in Pullman, Washington. This is an under-the-radar game because the two are the left-out Pac-12 teams, the two remaining, but they're both ranked and they're both undefeated. Yeah, that's the Pac-2 championship right here. It's pretty Winner is basically the champion. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm going with Wazoo, uh, plus two-and-a-half. I think Cameron Ward is is legit. Um, I think DJU's kind of kind of got exposed last last week against San Diego State, completing I think it was forty eight percent of his passes. He looked terrible, and and that was the same DJU we saw against uh, at Clemson, where you would have great games, you had flashes. Obviously, he's a very very talented person, but sometimes he just doesn't bring his stuff to the game. I don't know what it is if it's mental, if it's if it's you know relying too much on his arm and on his footwork. I don't know. I uh, could not tell you, but I think Wazoo's legit. I think what they did to Wisconsin is legit. And I think Cameron Ward is going to go out there and prove a point and, and why people are considering him a dark horse Heisman candidate. I mean, this 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 Wazoo team is is awesome and respectfully. And uh I can't wait to see what they do. I and and don't get me wrong, like I, I have a I have a soft spot in my heart for Oregon State and the Beavs. I would love to see them win and, and, and do big things, but like either one of these teams running the Pac twelve this year would be beautiful with what's going on with a realignment but give me wazoo i was really hoping you would stick with your guy at oregon state because cameron ward is the best quarterback that nobody is talking about this year right he is phenomenal he is completing over 72 percent of his passes he's basically a thousand yard passing nine touchdowns no interceptions rush for two more touchdowns this guy is showing why he was the best FCS quarterback. I truly think he needed a year to transition and understand the different level of competition, playing quarterback at Incarnate Word versus playing at Wazoo. And now he is putting on a show. And I think he is going to put the country on notice once again. Problem is, probably not going to be a ton of eyes because there are other ranked matchups. But he is going to once again announce his presence and say, look at me. I'm just as good as the rest of these guys. Well, and Jake, like, look at the first two games they played. They played Colorado State, who took Colorado into double overtime. So they're obviously not terrible. And then they 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 out physical Wisconsin. So I mean, we, you got to put them on the map. You got to give them some respect. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think that Wazoo goes in four and zero. Then they play. They have a tough schedule moving up. They play UCLA, Arizona, Oregon, and then they get a little bit of a lull with Arizona State, Stanford, and Cal, and finish out the season playing Colorado and Washington. I don't think Wazoo is going to win the Pac-12 this year, but if you tell me they win nine games right year right now, I'd buy that. I would one hundred percent buy that. Oh yeah, I'm going big dog. I'm going Husky, big and tall to win that Pac-12. I love the Huskies. All right, we have Saturday's whiteout, possibly rainout. Iowa travels to Penn State. They are a 14.5-point dog in this. Who do you like? Happy Valley will be very, very happy after this game. I think they beat Iowa, and I think they beat him big. You can't rely on Cade McNamara. 
you can't rely on the running game when you're on your third string guy. I mean, not only does that stink, like that guy's talented too. Don't get me wrong. He's a, he's a D one guy. He's there for a reason, but the depth is the biggest hurt. If you're going to run the ball 30 times in this game, you need more than one guy to do it. And, and not having your bell cow and your bell cows right-hand man is going to really, really hurt Iowa. I think Penn state runs away with this one in a big time blowout. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't rain, if it doesn't rain, I think it's going to be a lot worse, but, uh, I think Penn State wins. I'm giving. I'm going Penn State minus fourteen and a half. I think they cover. I'm basing my prediction solely off of that. It's going to have a lot of rain. You know, Penn State's running backs haven't been as explosive as they were last year. They're averaging about almost twenty five yards per game less between Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. And there's not really a good reason to why they're doing that. The offensive line would expect to be better. They're not throwing the ball constantly. Nick Singleton's longest run of the year right now, I believe I saw was 16 yards. And Iowa's going to play very good defense. I think Iowa is going to bottle up Penn State long enough to cover this spread. Iowa's not going to win this game. I don't I don't get a chance that they win this game. But I think that they can keep it close long enough, force field goals. You saw Illinois force Penn State to kick a bunch of field goals last weekend. And if you get bad weather conditions similar to what they had last weekend. Penn State had some kicking question marks in the beginning of the year. It seems like they figured it out. But when you start throwing weather into it, you throw everything out the window. You don't know what you're going to get. I like Iowa to cover 14 and a half, and this is solely based off of the weather. If it's clear skies, all bets are off. But I can't change my prediction based on the weather right now. So we're going to predict that it's going to rain. It's going to rain. It's going to rain, and I hope it rains hard. All right. The headliner of the weekend, number six, Ohio State, is a three-and-a-half-point favorite going to South Bend, Indiana, to play the Fighting Irish. Notre Dame or Ohio State? I've got three words for you, Mr. Jake. Samuel McRib Hartman. I think he's going to have a great game. I think he's going to thrust himself into the Heisman contention or the Heisman Candidacy talk. I think Notre Dame wins this one. I think they went pretty big. I'm going Notre Dame plus three and a half. Thanks. I hate it. I'm going to take Ohio State minus three and a half. To me, when you match up every position, I think Ohio State has the edge in most positions. There are a couple spots, key spots where Notre Dame is going to have the edge. I think Notre Dame's offensive line versus Ohio State's defensive line. Notre Dame's offensive line has a really good favorable matchup, especially where they need to on the interior. And to me, uh, I mean, on the exterior, on the exterior where Ohio State has edge rushers, Joe Alt is one of the best offensive linemen in the country. Uh, He's projected to be a first-round pick. He's going to be able to bottle up JT Tuimolo or Jack Sawyer. He's going to be able to protect Hartman for long enough. I think this is going to be a game where Notre Dame's going to lead at halftime. I, I fully expect Notre Dame to be up like 20 to 14 at halftime. But Ryan Day is very good at halftime adjustments. I think he comes out, you know, creates a game plan for the second half, bottles up Hartman in the second half. And Ohio State wins this game like 30, 33-27. I'm going to go with that. So I think that it's just enough to cover the spread. All right, let's jump into some listener questions. Uh, first, 
you know, Jake Thigpen, um, soon to be contributor of Walk on Red Church, Jake Thigpen. He goes, if Notre Dame beats Ohio State, does it virtually secure them a playoff spot? Looking at the schedule, if they beat the Buckeyes and beat the Buckeyes, tell me the Irish are going at least 11 and 1. I, I, I can't tell you that with a uh, straight face because Notre Dame plays Ohio State, then they turn around and they go, they, they play Duke, they play USC two weeks after that, they play Clemson. I mean, th- th- there's still three really, really tough teams left on that schedule. But with the amount of with the amount of publicity and positive publicity that Notre Dame gets, in terms of you know playoff contention and 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 ranking, and they, they seem to benefit um, whether they lose or not. Uh, I think they they will be in consideration if they have one loss. If they have two losses, I still think they're in the top ten uh, towards the end of the year. But I I don't think they I don't think losing a game. I think losing a game you know, could hurt them because you still have a big slate in front of you. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, it's way too early to go ahead and say they're walking into the playoff, securing a playoff spot with, with whether they lose or not this weekend. 11 and one to me isn't even securing a spot because the committee will take a 12 and one conference champion over them. And as weird as it sounds, if Ohio state is 12 and one and beats Penn state and Michigan, and there's a real conversation to be had there that you have the head-to-head matchup, but then Ohio State would also have two top 10 wins. And maybe Notre Dame does too. I think there's a weird conversation to be had there where Notre Dame would have less wins, but have beaten Ohio State, but Ohio State's a conference champion, which they say matters. I think there's a weird conversation that could happen. And there's also no guarantee that, you know, USC doesn't falter at some point that, you know, Duke doesn't fall out of the top 25 or, you know, we'll see what happens with Clemson this year. It also depends what game they lose. I throw Louisville in there as another, another tough, tough game. You know, Louisville is not going to be some cakewalk game. And 11-1 doesn't guarantee them a spot. I, I think it's very far from guaranteeing them any spot in the playoff. They need help because you – you still have multiple teams that can go undefeated. Michigan could be undefeated. You know, you could have Washington being undefeated. You know, Texas can be undefeated. Georgia could be undefeated. There's your four teams in the playoffs right there. Right. So I think you're very far away from having a guaranteed spot. And without a conference championship, you have no idea what the committee's going to do because it changes every two years. <laughs> so we actually don't even know what the criteria is because – I still believe the committee figures out their four teams they want and then figures out what the criteria to justify it is. Right. Now, now to to kind of play devil's advocate, I think if Notre Dame does win this weekend, they're going to be playoff favorites for the rest of the year. Yes. Yes, I would I would 100% agree with that. But I would also not put it past them to lay an egg against Duke next weekend. I don't know who would do that, which national powerhouse would ever lay an egg against Duke. So I don't know why you would say that, Jake. Not in prime time. Nobody would ever do it in prime time. No shot. No shot in prime time when, every, when the entire nation's watching because that's the only college football game on. And you're up late and you're sitting at the edge of your bed and everyone else is asleep and your hands are in your head. and you're. Oh, okay. Let's just go ahead and move on. The other question we were asked is from Band for All Weddings. Love the name. 100% should be banned. Will this Saturday match October 15th, 2005? 
And for anybody that does not know what happened on October 15, 2005, it was one of the biggest days in college football because of everything that happened. Everything from the Bush push happened. You had a last second win by Michigan over Penn State. Pat White and uh, I believe it was Matt Ryan came in. There was the summary that ESPN wrote up is that there were 10 games involving at least one AP team, AP ranked team that were decided by five points or less. Seven of those had game winners in the final 90 seconds, four comebacks by teams with win probabilities lower than 5%. And there were two wins by unranked teams against AP top 10 teams. And I think out of all that, the crazy, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Go for it. The craziest thing of that entire weekend was a Michigan State beat Penn State. Michigan was unranked. I said Michigan State. I meant Michigan. Michigan was unranked, and Penn State was eighth in the country. The craziest thing is that Michigan was favored to win that game. Tell me how that makes any sense. How, how on this planet, with Michigan being unranked and Penn State being the number eight team in the country, did Michigan have any business being favored? And obviously – the, the the math the math worked out because Michigan won something that, that that's mind boggling to me that a, that an unranked team can be favored over the a top ten team. Yeah, I, so to answer his question, I don't think there's really much that can compete with this, and predicting it is even tougher for me to come out and say that this weekend is going to match that would be insane for me to do, and I think it's gonna be a great weekend. I think we've got a lot of really really good games. Most of them are between ranked teams. I don't look at the schedule and go, yep, that could be an unranked team that could potentially upset a top 10 team. Like, if you told me right now that Rutgers beats Michigan, now we're on par. But I don't think Rutgers has a chance of beating Michigan this week. But I think we do have a chance to, like, with the slate, if there's going to be a slate that competes with that 2005 slate, this is the slate to do it. And you do have that opportunity. I mean, Let's look at Clemson versus Florida State. Florida State's the number four team in the country, and they're only favored by two and a half against an unranked Clemson team. So maybe that's, that's similar point. to what I'm looking back and you know looking at that. And and you know we've got Notre Dame playing Ohio State. That game could be similar to what the USC Ohio State game our Notre Dame game was 20 years ago. Uh, you've got Penn State playing Iowa. I mean, in a huge, huge matchup, and, and there's weather involved. So Penn State has that opportunity to get upset. I mean, th- th- if there is a slate to compete with that slate, I think this would be the one to do it. Yeah, I could definitely see some of these things happening. And the best part about that game is that's, that day is nobody predicted to happen. So I no. can't sit here and say it definitively won't happen. I don't think that Washington's going to lose to Cal. But I can't definitively tell you because weird things happen in college football all of the time. Which and Jake, I don't think it's completely out of the question that Colorado could beat Oregon. I mean, there is a Not. there is a universe in which that happens, and they've proved us wrong every single game so far this year. Uh, why not do it again? I mean, there there is definitely an opportunity for this to be one of the best slates of college football in a long time. Um, so I don't want to call it 2005 yet but we could definitely be having that conversation on Sunday. Yeah, this is definitely probably the best slate of the year with the exception of maybe rivalry weekend. So it's important to sit back, enjoy it. You're going to need multiple TVs for sure this weekend because there are tons of great games on every time slot. 
So make sure get your multiple TVs, get ready, get your food set up, have the fridge stocked. Don't be doing a beer run in the middle of the afternoon. You know better than that by now. Get the nap times out of the way for all you people who have kids, all you degenerates with kids. I would never. But the, the two kids that I theoretically have, they will be napping peacefully during that Clemson-Florida State game. I'll be doing a lot of uh, – I'll be playing into their sound machine. So, you know, hopefully they uh, hopefully they can sleep through my ruckus. This Just is give them be, melatonin. It's fine. Just yeah. feed them melatonin until they wake up on Sunday. Yeah, be prepared. Be prepared. This is not a weekend in which you want to go and do your honeydews. Don't don't let me catch you at Lowe's. Don't let me catch you at Walmart. You know, you don't need to be doing projects. Let's go sit sit down on the couch where you belong. Crack open a cold one if you don't if you don't partake. Crack open a cold one that's sody pop. You know, I, I think that's what I, I think that's what you people in Ohio call it, right, Jake? Sody pop. Everyone down here pop. calls it Coke. Everyone down here calls it Coke, even no matter what it, it is. Pop in Ohio. Pop. Oh, that's. Oh, I, I know it's. A, I don't like it either. It's a sound, not a drink. <laughs> well, at least you're, you know at least you're good with that but uh it, this is going to be a fun weekend enjoy it the two best weekends ever in college football are the ones that you're in and the next one coming up so we're currently in the one we're in so get excited absolutely absolutely with that being said make sure to go and check out the walk on we have content coming out basically every single day multiple pieces almost every single day Everything from group of five content, very conference-based, general predictions, bold predictions, betting content, everything that you could want is on our site. Make sure to like, subscribe, rate the podcast, give us your feedback, let us know what you want to hear. And and Jake, don't forget, go to Underdog Fantasy with code WALKON, W-A-L-K-O-N. I just spelled that right the first time. Y'all, y'all heard it here first. We have it on video. Walk on W A L K O N. They will match you up to a hundred dollars. Am I right? So fifty dollar bet. They will they will match it up to a hundred dollars. Do it. You know this is a great weekend to do it. It's a great weekend to go and make your picks. Great weekend to go make your picks. Listen to Will. Go do it. Go join Walk on or go join Underdog. Come come make your picks with us. It'll be a great time. Enjoy your college football weekend, everybody.